This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. So today we play for each other, we run for each other, we pass the ball for each other. So uh, now I am watching the Ryder Cup and I see uh, how they celebrate this individual game like they play just for themselves during 11 months, 12 months. They come to the Ryder Cup and they play for each other. And, and that is nice when you play football, you know that? So you refer, you do it for your mate, and after he's going to, he's going to do it for you. And everyone's, all of them want to play. Eddie Ederson until the winger, and everyone was commitment. So we are very pleased, just three points of course, but we are, we cannot deny coming here for the Champions League winners, uh, especially the way we played. The way we played was, so good. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Inspired by the weekend's Ryder Cup, I'm, I'm assuming he supported USA. That was Pep Guardiola speaking after City beat Chelsea in the big game over the weekend. It's Monday evening. It's me, Ross. This is Off the Ball with the guys. And the guys are Craig Wilkie with his extra long hair. Hello, Craig. <laughs> good evening, Ross. Ah, the beauty of radio. Uh, Arvind Sidhu is also here. Hello, Arvind. Hello, everyone. In the relegation zone, that's where my boys are. Hopefully, it's only one way up. <laughs> it might be a tough show for Arvind, this one. Cam Raslan, you can hear sniggering in the background as well. Hello, Cam. Uh, hello. I'm glad I'm not a Leeds United fan. <laughs> follow us on social media it's bfm football on instagram and on facebook as well uh, every week we have fantasy football tips thanks to our friends at the banger committee and hopefully you are taking part in our bfm fantasy football this season it is brought to you by my-soccer.com right then chelsea nil man city one uh coming to you first cameras land chelsea did not muster a single shot on target in, in that game. <laughs> um, talk about revenge. Uh, we, we went into Friday's show thinking, wow, Pep's definitely going to overthink this one. And um, yeah, not a single shot on target from Chelsea. What say you? Uh, actually, you know, it's, it's funny to say the overthinking. That is, that is the thing that's been said of him more about the Champions League than anywhere else. And this was um, a, a proper classic. They didn't muster too many shots on target either. I think about three or so. Um, but Chelsea conceded their first goal from open play this season, which is remarkable. And it was, it, it took a moment of brilliance um, with, uh, a turn that was just, I just didn't see it happening. How, how does that player turn? Like, oh, he's he done it, he scored a goal. Gabriel <laughs> um, Jesus has that in him sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but it required that. And so the, these were two uh, evenly matched teams that were really cancelling each other out. Um, and these three points could be very consequential come the end of the season for Man now, City. Now, Craig Wilkie, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets panned when he plays two central holding pivot midfielders in a home match. Thomas Tuchel went into this one with three, Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic. And his width were his fullbacks, Alonso and Rhys James. I mean, talk about starting the game on a back foot in defensive mode. The mindset was wrong, don't you think? 
Yeah, I agree with you. You want to talk about Solskjaer already, Ross? I <laughs> well, I, I know we're going to... No, but it's, we'll it's a fair analogy, right? He gets panned for play, mainly from me, I grant you, but, you know... It, it, is, it is a fair analogy. And it's interesting, you know, that we talked about overthinking from Pep's point of view. But to me, Tuchel was the one who overthought this. And it's remarkable to, to line up with a midfield like that, as you mentioned, and then lose the midfield battle. And that, that's exactly what happened. And the strange thing was that not only were City the hungrier side, they seemed to have the more urgency. Um, they played more on the front foot and they were under more pressure going into the game. Let's be absolutely clear about that. But Chelsea were strangely almost passive. They were, and, they, and they were definitely set up, and this is where the manager does have to take responsibility. They were set up first and foremost to nullify City. It was a very defensive mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, you know, you go and do your job against individual players who I'm concerned about might hurt us, whether that's Grealish, whether that's Bernardo Silva, whoever it might be. And, and it, once that happens and you get into that way of playing, if the game doesn't go your way, and especially when you go a goal behind, what becomes difficult is to change it. Now, we've seen Tuchel do it in the past. You know, at halftime, he's made changes or when things start to go against him, he is capable of changing it tactically. But it didn't really happen in that game and the supply to Lukaku was probably the worst that he's had in in the time since he's been back at Chelsea and they just failed to build any momentum even after going behind you expected that there might be a bit of a reaction but not really actually City were able to see the game out very very comfortably now Chelsea have still looked very impressive over the course of the season thus far this was their worst performance there's no question about that I think they'll bounce back but this this just shows you that they're not suddenly invincible or you know this is a team that you can still get at this is a team that you can still play against and you know Tuchel said I'm building a team nobody wants to play against he's maybe not quite there yet yeah I I think the overall take on on the entire weekend's results so far is every team is capable of winning (laughs) and and that's the beauty of the Premier League but but for 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 City Arvin Perfect start for Pep Guardiola. Busy week, right? Win at Stamford Bridge, then go to PSG, take on take on some world-class players there. And then it's Liverpool at Anfield on Sunday. Yeah, they've got the trilogy of games, right? All three away. But really, when you look at that performance on the day, in the naming of Gabriel Jesus, it was absolutely gabulous. That's how good it was. It, they, <laughs> they, they literally, they showed up big time all over the park. And they stopped their manager from having that record, which he didn't want to have, of losing four consecutive against Thomas Tuchel. And after that win on the weekend, right now, Pat Gorilla has got the most wins as a Man City manager, 221. And this probably would have been one of his biggest ones that he would have wanted. But it just shows that he, from, from the disappointment of last week against Southampton, where they're a little bit drab, he takes the team away, he works things on the train pitch, and he comes back in the manner that they did. I, I just thought that they were excellent. And it sets up such a good, like you say, a good start for the a, a testing week. But one of which, it would not surprise me if they go and win all these three away games. I thought Ruben Diaz was just fantastic on the day. I, I honestly, I mean, he's, he was so excellent in snuffing out all the Chelsea attacks. He even launched... Uh, City forward as well. Rodri was an important base. Having KDB back is is vital as yeah, well. Yeah. So so overall, yes, there was a bit of element of luck, but you make your luck in these kind of situations when it comes to that goal. Before that, before Gabriel Jesus had that deflection, just look at Wakancelo. Wakancelo gets the ball. He does a little bit of a feint. 
he passes it into Jesus, and yes, it gets better deflection, goes in, but you make your luck. And I think if it wasn't for Eduardo Mendy, City could have had a couple more. So, masterclass performance for me. Yeah, and, and Jack Grealish is slowly growing into that left-sided role, isn't he? Um, all right, uh, let, let's move on. Talk about one of the more exciting games of the weekend. Brentford 3, Liverpool 3. Uh, undoubtedly, they're your newfound favourite team, Cameras Line. Brentford. Absolutely, absolutely. As a uh, lifelong fan of Brentford City uh, <laughs> since this weekend, um, the, it was it was a magnificent match, and I think what one a thing, game, yeah, what a game. And and you know, this is to, to be a fo- to be a fan of Brentford and to witness that is just extraordinary. So what you've dreamed of, and and one thing we can definitely say is they're going to be relegated next season. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is like Sheffield United and and perhaps dare I say Leeds United, um, all all over. Uh, no, but they they were uh, aggressive. They really played like they had nothing to lose. Yeah. They were they were just going for it and committing. And one of the goals was it the third goal? The ball went all the way back to the goalkeeper, who's playing like a a libero, like a sweeper, right at the back. They are just taking their chances non-stop it was really impressive they won't do that next season but um they'll get found out Um, one thing i say though when jota um scored for liverpool it just made me think well god how many portuguese players have scored this season (laughs) it's it's a it's a really portuguese season Uh, and you know even ones that miss um penalties yeah no, it it was fabulous when Jota scored for for Liverpool, you just thought, okay. And then when Curtis Jones's flyer scorcher went in, you just thought, oh well, brave battling Brentford. Uh, but it wasn't to be. So I mean, looking at the big picture here, Craig Wilkie, is it worrying that Liverpool go away and concede three to a promoted side? Yes, it is absolutely, and worrying in a number of ways. Worrying because they'd already seen the results that happened earlier in the day. So they knew this was an opportunity to actually really go and, you know, try and put a little bit of distance even this early in the season between them and some of the other contenders. And it was just a sloppy performance all round. There was a moment in the first half where Van Dyke tried to volley a pass into midfield and just gave away possession so cheaply. And Henderson started screaming at him. And it was just one of those days where, you know, Nobody was quite on their game, maybe with the exception of Salah, who I thought had another really, really fine performance. Uh, but it was, you also look at the game management. I mean, Liverpool, yes, you know, they go behind early on, but then Jordan restores parity. And then you think, okay, well, now they're going to go on and dominate. And then they go ahead twice, twice away at a newly promoted side and don't manage to see the game out. That, that is the real, the real issue. And it's not just about the defence, even though I thought the defence was very sloppy. Both the fullbacks had you know, poor games defensively. And we know that their strengths really lie in going forward, but you still have to do a job when it's required of you at the back. But even in midfield, I, don't, I didn't feel as though Liverpool really had a grip on the game for, for any long spells. Here and there they played, and, and Salah on the break looked threatening as he, as he always does. But you would expect a midfield with Fabinho, Henderson and so on to just go on and put their foot on the ball and, and make it a bit more comfortable. But they didn't do that. And some of the credit, of course, goes to Brentford for the, the energy that they brought to the performance, the way they harried, the way they... And what really impressed me about Brentford was the numbers that they got forward. You know, when they did have those opportunities to attack, they really put men in the box. And that's where you saw Van Dyke and Matip, every time a ball went in the box, the back post, they were struggling because they're thinking, hang on, 
not only am I dealing with the centre forward here, but there's three runners coming from midfield. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know who's coming to pick them up. So that was what caused Liverpool all manner of problems. So Klopp will go away with quite a lot to think about after that game. And and the Thomas Frank football is working. It always does. First season, promoted teams, all of them play out their skins. The draw is enough to lift Liverpool to the top of the table. Um, of course, until high-flying Brighton play early, uh, later tonight. Uh, Mo Salah becomes the 13th Liverpool player to reach a century of league goals for the club, fourth to do so in the Premier League era after Robbie Fowler, Steven Gerrard and Michael Owen. Right, moving on then to Leeds United 1, West Ham United 2. This one must have hurt Arvin Sidhu. Um, Mikel Antonio, 90th minute winner, leaving Leeds still searching for that first win of the season. Uh, up until then, you, you thought, okay, okay, maybe going to come away with a point here. We go again. But then it's cruel, the Premier League, isn't it? It is. Uh, but take, no, take nothing away from West Ham. I thought they were fantastic in the second half. Leeds were good in the first half, very good in the first half, as they've been in a couple of games this season. But this was a squad that was actually devoid on quite a lot of players. You had Patrick Bamford out. You had uh, Luke Ayling out. So you had you had a few players who, who, who've been the cornerstone of that first season back after 16 years. I thought young Craswell did fantastic at centre-back. Uh, they're still missing Diego Lorente. They're still missing Robin Gotch. Uh, but Leeds, at, when, when you come to these kind of games and you have a goal, like the one that Rafinha scored, which was a fantastic goal, the second opportunity that falls to Matthias Klitsch with that nice team. Yeah. And we saw we started seeing some of those team moves that we were so accustomed to last season. If you don't take that chance, you know a team like West Ham, who's got the experience and the, the nuance of playing in the Premier League like they have, will come back to, to bite you. And the second half, you could read the storyline. It, it was just literally being panned out for you. West Ham get that goal. Okay, fine. They're slowly coming into the game. What's going to happen? You know Mikel Antonio is on the end of things and it's going to happen. So it's cruel for Leeds. Uh, they're going to a run of games where now they're expected to actually get that first win. The longer it goes, the tougher it's going to get. So it's a must win against Watford next weekend before the international break because if they don't, I think some serious questions need to be asked. Yeah, Leeds keeper Melier felt the full force of Mikel Antonio, uh, most of it in his face. <laughs> um, but um, you can only say nice things about West Ham and, and David Moyes, right, Cam Razlan? Yeah, well, as you know, uh, Napoleon, when talking about one of his generals once, he, was, uh, he said, uh, I know he's good, but is he lucky? And... Mm -hmm. uh, you, you make your own luck. And when you have someone like Antonio, I, I think Moyes, maybe he's the kind of manager who really needs a, a single player of genius. Who uh, And that, that goal was brilliant. But, you know, yeah, when looking at his game, it's, um, it's like basic generic football. It's just well-played, simple football. There are, there's no Gagan pressing. There's no uh, cutbacks and everything. It's, 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 um, it's just very accomplished play. And, and, with, with Leeds, they didn't really do anything wrong. Uh, Leeds really only have a plan A, and they executed that well enough. But they got found out, and and now Bielsa is a general who is not lucky. And um, and so the fear would be that Leeds are going to do a Leeds. It's just getting that second goal for Leeds United. It really is. And then, and then relaxing and playing your football. All right, first break. 
uh, back right after this. The sought-after league in the world is ready for action. The division that brings you a little bit of everything returns and anything and indeed everything is possible. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Here is the battle which above and beyond all others is not for losing. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam Raslan, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Wilkie joining me this Monday evening to look back on the weekend's football. Uh, Man United nil, Aston Villa won. Courtney House putting Villa ahead with a powerful header. Um, how VR did not spot Ollie Watkins standing right in front of David De Gea. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, Bruno Fernandes. Also blasting a 93rd minute penalty over the crossbar. Um, lots of subplots in this game, but it was a pretty pulsating match of football, Craig Wilkie, for the neutral. <laughs> it was if you're an Aston Villa fan. Um, I, I don't know if I would use pulsating in relation to Manchester United's performance. Um, and the pressure now that Solskjaer is under... I know there's a section of the support who've maybe never entirely been convinced that he was the right man for the job almost from the outset. And there's been some maybe growing grumblings, let's say, as time has gone by. But the problem Solskjaer has now is that all the excuses are pretty much off the table. You know, he's got a squad that's very, very talented, very, very capable, and frankly should be winning games like that. And that's no disrespect to Villa, who are a very good side and put in a very good performance. But that type of game at home is the sort of game that you're going to have to win in order to be realistic title contenders. And I think the bigger problem for Solskjaer is I've seen too many of that type of Manchester United performance. That's just a little bit flat, a little bit lethargic. And he doesn't seem when we talked before about Tuchel, who, you know, does have that reputation for changing games when he needs to, you know, making those substitutions, which will have an impact or not just substitutions, but being able to, switch something tactically, which is actually going to really make a difference to, to how the game is being played. And Solskjaer consistently, for me, fails to do that in those games where he's really under scrutiny. And this was, this was another one. And I think maybe a draw would have been a fair result if Fernandez puts the penalty away. But Villa, Villa caused problems. And De Gea was the busier goalkeeper over the yeah. course, of, course of 90 minutes. He definitely had more to do than, than Martinez. Although Martinez... You know, with his antics at the end, he's the, he's the master of, of putting people off when it comes to penalties. And I think we were all shocked. Not, not that Bruno could miss, because anybody can miss a penalty. We've, we've seen that. But the manner of his miss. Um, but I, you know, I was a little bit surprised. I, I'm not a fan of this thing on social media now, whereby he came out with you know, a sort of five-page essay of apology you know, how he's led everybody down. And you know, he hopes that everything will be okay. And you, know, you missed a penalty, Bruno. It's okay. We'll get... We'll get yeah, over modern it. <laughs> day football and snowflake fans. Well, well there you go. In a nutshell, Craig Wilkie, exactly. in a nutshell. Um, but Emi Martinez, uh, Arvin Sidhu, actually won that penalty before it was kicked because he was shouting, Ronaldo should take this, Ronaldo should take this. So that really got to Bruno, didn't it? But I mean, all in all, uh, Dean Smith and Aston Villa, they can build on this and have a very, very good season, can't they? Definitely. I mean, Dean Smith, I mean, they, they, they actually had good chances even before the penalty. I mean, if you look at the opportunity that Matt Taggart had, the one that Ollie Watkins had, the one that Andrew Conza had. So they had yeah. actually had opportunities more towards goal than Man United did, which were kind of down to Greenwood being a little bit selfish and kind of shoot on shoot on sight uh, policy that he had. 
But if you look at the names that Dean Smith has now defeated as a manager, I mean, he's beaten Ole, he's beaten Klopp, Tuchel, Rogers, Bielsa, Benitez, and Solotti. He's beaten literally all the big names in the Premier League. So just just shows the progression that he's had with that. And he identifies with the club because he's a Villa fan as well. But back to that penalty, um, it seems almost heroic now what Emi Martinez did. I mean, kind of deal, the delay tactic is first and then after that saying to Ronaldo, I want you to take it. <laughs> if, you notice, if you notice in that penalty, the one difference that, that Bruno did compared to every other penalty that he did, he didn't do his little he hop. Didn't you know, he didn't do his, his normal hop. hop. Yeah. I was he, saying yeah, that to didn't. the kid. He didn't. And, uh, you think to yourself, you're taking away the method of how you've been... So, before this, he'd only missed one penalty from Man United. So this is the second miss. I mean, to think that you've taken away your trademark characteristics of a technique that you have perfected, Jorginho does it as well, but you've perfected that. The battle was already lost the moment that you saw Emi Martinez mouthing off and you saw Bruno just putting the ball down and thinking to himself, if I miss this, everyone is going to say, why didn't Ronaldo take it? So on a week where a lot of talk has been about penalties, Ole has come out and seen a previous manager referring to Klopp. This just seemed to be that added drama, added and Netflix episode that you needed, but what an end to the game, really. It, it is a soap opera. Netflix is probably where it would be screened as well. Uh, where, where do you sit as a neutral, Cam, on the Ole In, Ole Out affair? Uh, as a neutral, I would say I really don't care. Um, it, it, I think it's a, sign, it's a sign of how old we are, we four as football fans, that we grew up in an age where you know Manchester United was an important thing. And they have not been an important thing for about 10 years now. See, I'm older than uh, you. I grew up in a time when Liverpool dominated football and United were nowhere. Yeah, and well, we're, that's where we are again. Well, no, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's literally you know not, what to do. not as bad as that. But I mean, do, do you think Ole, for example, will see out this season? Will he last to January? Gone, that one. Uh, well, Ross, who, who, would be, who would be the alternative? Off the top of my head right now, Zinedine Zidane's available. Mm, I'll have okay. him in a heartbeat, to be honest, really. You, you <laughs> might, yeah, yeah. It would be actually not someone who can actually uh, manage personalities and egos. Um, I mean, I'll, a, I'll say this as a United fan. I, I, I love Ole. Uh, I want him to succeed. So I'd stick with him and, and hope it turns around. But... You can't keep well, the having one, the, results like that. This is big. The, the, one, the one good sign for me was that they conceded a late goal and then they really went for it. That, that they always do. That's the trademark. But no, there's been a, no, there's been a long time when they haven't gone for it and they've been weak. So they really went for it. They got themselves a penalty. Sadly, they missed the penalty. But it was, uh, that was a good sign. All right. Well, United in another, well, in already a must-win game in the Champions League in midweek. Talk about that later. Leicester 2, Burnley 2 was quite a little good fun. Jamie Vardy, uh, early pantomime villain and hero. Craig Wilkie all rolled into one. It was a lovely own goal because he, he, his, his glancing header took it past ev- absolutely everyone. But then being Jamie Vardy, he still got the Vardiness in him. Uh, he's, he's such a goal scorer, he'll claim it as a hat-trick, I think, for <laughs> what he did, did at the weekend. You know, um, But he's... I, I run out of superlatives for Vardy. I, I really do. I, the, the character and the mentality that he's got to come back from, you know, a, a disappointment of, of scoring an own goal early on. And he missed a big chance before that as well. He had, a, he had a header in the first half, which he should have scored. It was probably the easiest chance that he had in the entire game. But you know that it won't affect him. And he will continue to make those runs that he does. He will continue to put himself in positions in the box. 
and he will continue to back himself when he gets a chance. And his two finishes were just classic Vardy. And it's defenders know what he's going to do, but it's still so difficult to stop. He, he times those runs to perfection. He's still got quite a lot of pace, considering he's starting to get on a little bit. But what I love about him is that when he gets into those positions, there's never a hint of panic. He just knows exactly where he wants to put the ball. And he, and he plays the odds. He plays the percentages. You won't see Vardy trying to do a, a flick over the goalkeeper or something like that. He just immediately has this instinct for, okay, this one needs to go across the goalkeeper. Here, the goalkeeper's come rushing out. I'm going to take it round him. And his decision-making when it comes to those chances is second to almost none. And that's why he's got the, the goal-scoring record that he has. But And we should also remember that this season, he's playing in a Leicester side that have not lived up to the standards that they've set over yeah, the last couple of seasons. Very you know, they're much not so. creating as many chances. So there's a lot more onus on him individually to try and dig them out of trouble. And, and he did that to some extent at the weekend, but this still goes down as a poor result. And, you know, Leicester have got problems all over the park. They're conceding too many chances and therefore too many goals. They're not creating enough in midfield. You know, the likes of Barnes, Madison have not been at it as much this season as, as we would expect or, or as Leicester fans would hope of them. And so Vardy's been left to carry a lot of the burden. And, course he's been doing that magnificently well but Leicester don't look as though they're going to be challenging in the way that they have been over the last season or two mm, maybe replaced by West Ham this season I think Le- Leicester uh, but yeah Vardy let's not forget we we, we we sing his praises he is getting older <laughs> as every day passes but he's into his 30s but a few good things to come out for Burnley Arvin Sidhu out of this one Maxwell Cornet I thought put in a really good shift before going off injured. Nice goal. Uh, that's a big plus. And the fact that they, they've gone to Leicester and, and, and not lost. So that's a big plus for Sean Dyche as well, right? Yeah. I mean, they're another team that's waiting for that elusive first win. There's a couple of them. But Five. Maxwell Cornet, I'm, I know. Maxwell Cornet, I mean, coming from Lyon, I, I, I never had imagined that he would end up at a place like Burnley because you know, he, could, he, could, he could play for a, for a big, for, for a more glamorous name in the Premier League. But that just shows the, the strength of the Premier League to be able to pull players like that from the other leagues. Uh, he will be a miss. They've got a couple of misses after that game. Uh, Sean Dyche has come out and confirmed that Matic Vitra is injured as well. Jay Rodriguez is injured. Maxwell Cornet, they don't know when he's back. So those are, those are things that affect a squad like Burnley when they go into it. There was a late goal disallowed for Chris Wood by VAR at the end. If, if they had got that, then it would have been an, an incredible result. But yeah, they would have taken this before the game. Going away to Leicester, they would have taken it. Good goal by, by Cornet, assisted. Obviously, the first goal was a bit against the run of play, the, the Jamie Vardy one from the corner. But they would take that any day of the, of the week. But they'll, they'll still be there, along with a few other clubs battling out at the bottom uh, to stay up. But a lot of people that they thought that the time will finally come for Sondage to go down with Burnley. But let's see, he might pull it out of the hat like he always does. Yeah, uh, to be continued. Dot, 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 dot. As we go into another break, uh, see you on the other side of this. As always, when it goes through the legs of the defender, makes it extra hard for a goalkeeper to make that save. You can see the delight on his face. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. A come-from-behind win on the road, thanks to grit, determination, a bit of luck, and two substitutes who made a telling contribution. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Cam Raslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu joining me this Monday evening to look back on Game Week 6. Of course, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, BFM Football. Also, do check out our BFM Football Facebook page because... 
Every other Friday, we have uh, fantasy football tips for you. Thanks to our friends, the Banger Committee. All As you know, uh, if you take part, our BFM fantasy football this season is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Right, we're talking about the North London derby. It was easy for Arsenal in the end. Arsenal 3, Spurs 1. Um, the Mikel Arteta revolution slowly gathering pace here, Cam Razlan. Uh, they look good, young Arsenal. Yeah, but they can't play Spurs every week. This, uh, how, can we really learn anything? I mean, they'll be very happy for the three points and a victory, but this Spurs was just abject. And indicative was the, the, well, the first goal, it looked like it was happening in slow motion. It looked like it was a training ground exercise and they were walking through it and the opposition were just cones. Uh, it was it was pretty appalling, and then uh, Harry Kane for the third goal. He does a, a kind of a Wayne Rooney where he he messes up at one end, rushes down, does a bizarre attack, <laughs> and, then, just, and then gets credited with an assist, <laughs> and and he slumps to the ground. I mean, Wayne Rooney at least would have gotten up and kicked somebody and got a red card, but he just he just collapsed. Um, and and it it just revolves around that situation. There were some bright spots, I guess, from uh, uh, Spurs, but I don't know if it's if it's the the manager is unable to inspire and create a system that they're excited by, or if it's that whole um, Harry Kane sitting in the corner of the dressing room, kind of just being morose. So I don't I don't really know what we can learn from from this for for Arsenal. They were playing against nothing. As a neutral, watching this, after the game, I thought, wow, Spurs have many, many, many problems here. I mean, Arvin Sidhu, for the first 10 minutes, there was no discerning game plan. Literally, their plan was lump it up to the three up top and let's see what they can do with it. That didn't work. And then you look at the players, you look at the, the, the body language. They didn't seem motivated. And Arvin, this is a North London derby, yeah? Yep, that's that's the biggest concern. When you when you don't you're not your players are not up for it from the very beginning. You could tell. Watch that game for the first few minutes. You can tell. Peter Drury summed it up perfectly when the Arsenal second goal went in. He said that Arsenal have got their their foot on Tottenham's throats right now because that's how bad it was. Literally, Spurs had had no fight on the day. The only player that actually relatively tried was Son Heung-min, and he, we we keep saying that about him because that's just his nature. But the time when the time comes that he stops trying. That's when you you have concerns. This is their third game that they've conceded three goals. Palace, Chelsea, Arsenal. That beginning of the season, one nails that they were leading and going to the top table, all that's gone now because now it's the reality of what does Nuno have to face moving forward. And a big problem that they have was the hurricane problem. This for me right now, the, the, the hurricane saga for me is just him and Spurs staying together. It's sort of like a couple... A marriage couple that's divorced, but saying, okay, we'll stay together for the kids because it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work right now because he's your star man. He's the one that you look forward to, to, to build everything around and his heart is not in it. He, he would have looked at again, week on week and said to himself, why am I here? And, and Gary Nichols summed it up perfectly, experts, legend, and just said, it's a total shambles right now. And if they're not careful, they can slowly start slipping down the table and, and the buck will stop at Nuno. But then again, he was never the first choice anyway. So, well, not the fifth, fifth, maybe more. But I think Football 365 said um, Harry Kane is broken. Uh, he's not going to be fixed by defensive football and by a manager with a 
lesser CV than Jose Mourinho, <laughs> um, which is really damning on, on Nuno. But it doesn't look good, Craig, for, for the white half of North London, does it really? I mean, it was, it was more than a 3-1 loss, this. It was. It, it was so bad. Spurs were an absolute shambles. And the thing about the Kane situation, I have a little bit of sympathy for him because, you know, I don't think he's down tools or anything like that. I don't think it's a, it's a lack of effort necessarily. But the heart, we, the heart exactly. clearly is not there. We saw that even in what Cam mentioned. You know, he was tracking back. He was trying to atone for a mistake that he made in the, in the lead up to, to that third goal. But, you know, the thing that, that's interesting about Kane is imagine if England had won the Euros. Imagine if he'd been the captain of an international side who just won a major international trophy. How much easier it would be to deal with the situation that he's in now. But of course, that penalty should have went the other way. And no how much more feeling... leave he would have got? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no doubt he's feeling a little bit sorry for himself. But as you mentioned, the, the problems run far, far deeper than that. And, and I agree with Arvind that this was a derby. You know, forget form, forget yeah, Harry Kane, absolutely. forget Nuno, anything. This is a game that you know means as much to the supporters as maybe any other game in the season. Away at arguably your biggest rivals and and to turn up and play like that and to start so poorly and even you know Arsenal had a couple of wins coming into the game but they were still a club under big pressure Arteta was under big pressure and you could see the reaction to the goals you know how ecstatic how jubilant he was that he knew that some of that pressure was being lifted but if you're a Spurs player going into that game you think okay we we make a start here we put them under a bit of pressure they'll start to panic the crowd will get on top of them but None of that happened because it didn't need to. It was so comfortable for Arsenal. And, and I've got to say, I like that, that trio when they play well. You know, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe and Saka. When yeah. the three of them combine and they really link up, they can cause teams problems. And they caused all sorts of problems for Spurs. And, and again, we talk about managers reading a game, looking at a game, seeing what's happening and trying to make a difference, trying to make a change if things are not going your way. And I didn't see any of that from Nuno. He just kind of put his hands up and said, OK, well, we're going to, we're going to move on and, and take this hit almost, you know, and it was, I mean, they were almost lucky that they played their way back into, I thought they started the second half a little bit better. There was a bit of a reaction. Son had a couple of chances before he scored, but overall big, big problems at Spurs. Even anti-Joshua couldn't win at Spurs. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Nicely slipped in there. Uh, Saka Smithrow and Martin Odegaard are aged 20, 21 and 22 respectively. The future is very bright for young Arsenal. Some of the other scores to mention, Everton 2, Norwich 0. Everton have now won their first three home games in a, of a top-flight season for the first time since 89-90. Rafa is doing good things there at Everton, Cam? Uh, yes, they're in seventh, aren't they? Seventh, um, which is uh, where they should be. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Well done to them. I would just say though, with Norwich, there's a there is um, murmurings in in the Norwich crowd. Uh, they're a yo-yo team, but I I think that we need to point out though that Norwich is actually a very well financially well managed club. Um, they they are not owned by some oil shake, uh, a king of a rich nation. You know, the the largest shareholder is a celebrity chef. Yeah, she and makes so good pies. They fact Yes, and they factor in going down. They do not overcommit financially, uh, but they manage to get back out. They get parachute payments. So they, they do okay. I think the fans are hoping that this time around, finally, they'll just like kick up one notch, and they're not going to. 
Well, um, yeah, this next is it. time. <laughs> this is it. So you've got you've got your yo-yo clubs. There are clubs happy enough to to be, be like your Crystal Palace used to be and, and Watford uh, or rather Norwich currently are. But you can also be like a Leeds United or a Brentford, have some sort of blueprint and try and play football mm. and be exciting. And, and then, you know, if you stay up that way, I'm sure... The, the benefits way outweigh anything. All right, <laughs> vying off the theme slightly. Um, some of the other scores, Watford won, Newcastle won. Newcastle's winless start to the season continues. You feel for them, Arvin, because Leeds are in the same boat. But, I mean, this one for me was always going to end up a draw. Uh, if anything, Watford probably feel aggrieved they didn't win this. Yeah, because being at home, uh, a, lot of, a lot of talk on the media before this was if you if you have a chance to go online and just look up a, a clip on Newcastle and the new FIFA game and you've got Steve Bruce running faster than all the other players <laughs> in, a, in a celebration. <laughs> so there's there a lot of Newcastle fans have come on and said if, if only our players could run this fast then potentially we wouldn't be in the situation that we are. It's quite a funny clip actually. I don't know why the, the producers decided to pick a clip of Steve Bruce running onto the pitch in celebration, but it's quite a funny one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Carl Darlow made a couple of crucial saves at the, from 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 Watford, or else he could have, they could they could have lost this game. Uh, but the first goal was a super shot though by Longstaff. This this reminded me of when he he had his good form back in two thousand nineteen. So it's always nice to see a player kind of pull that out of his locker that he was able to do a couple of years ago. Uh, but they paid for not scoring the second goal. Same thing that Leeds had had. They paid for not scoring the second goal. They allowed the home team to come back in with Watford and Ismaili Sa, who is just, for me, he's just head and shoulders above. Yeah, he's the, the best Watford player, Watford. hands down. Yeah, yeah. If 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 Watford get relegated, Ismaili Sa will be picked up by any Premier League team because he could he could do a he could do a job anywhere. He's so, been yeah. a long time linked with Liverpool every for for the last two seasons, uh, last two off seasons. Yeah. Watford Newcastle featured uh, the very first match to be officiated by an overseas official. Australian referee Jared Gillett made history. Well done, Jared. 1-1 one, one draw. No red cards. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, all right. Southampton nil Wolves won. Everyone happy with this one because Raul Jimenez scored his first goal since that horrific uh, skull injury, what, 10 months ago, 11 months ago. Um, and it was a really nice goal as well. Craig, say, quickly say something nice as we go into the break. <laughs> oh, I'm just so <laughs> delighted for him. It, it, and it was a wonderful goal as well. Right, uh, so much composure, composure he shows in the box. Pace, skills, it. and uh, awareness. And, and it was the old Jimenez, you know, and that, that was the great thing about it. And you could see the reaction himself, his teammates, the crowd, everybody was just so delighted for him. And, and what a talisman he has been and he can be again for Wolves. It's so important to them that they have him firing because it, it was a poor game overall, but yeah. he had that little bit of quality that made the difference. And Wolves, on that basis, deserved their 1-0 win, I think. I think that's a massive win for Wolves. Not just the three points, much more than that. All right, final break. Tell you what's up uh, throughout the week next. Many critics of VAR. And there we saw it worked perfectly well. It took a long time, but it was the right decision. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Look how tight it is. The first touch has got to be absolutely perfect. And it is. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Here we are then. Cameras, Alan Craig, Wilkie, Arvin Sidhu. Looking forward to football 
Every morning, every early morning this week, every single day, I say, um, coupled with uh, IPL, which is going on, there are some doubleheader games. Uh, that's another show altogether. But Crystal Palace versus Brighton tonight is worth a mention because Brighton can go top of the table, Kamraslan, with a win. And you being a lifelong Brighton follower will know. <laughs> no, actually, they've been really good this season, but. Crystal Palace under Patrick Vieira have shown at home they can be formidable. This is the dreaded, what, M23 derby. These two sides actually hate each other, two sets of fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I happen to, I, even I get confused, but I have to grow up halfway between these two. Same. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so um, I, I, I'm, I'm astonished that Brighton um, are doing so well. And, uh, it can't last, surely. But I think that Crystal Palace, who I had a, a down as a dead cert for relegation and disaster, I think Crystal Palace have been really exciting this season, uh, have some great players, and they're coming together well. And I I don't know, I, I, my money would be on Crystal Palace, and definitely by the end of the season, Crystal Palace doing better than the likes of Brighton, and possibly doing, I don't know, maybe a seventh or, or something, uh, just below the European spots. But uh, yeah, no. For once, I would actually, I'm not going to stay up and watch this one, but uh, I would be uh, intrigued to find out the results of a Brighton match. Palace are unbeaten in their four most recent league meetings against Brighton. Two wins, two draws, and both of those wins have come away from home. But um, this season, it is different. Palace with fans, Selhurst Park, it literally vibrates. <laughs> it is a rocking stadium. That's a 3 a.m. Tuesday kickoff. Champions League and all the other European competitions kick off from Tuesday onwards. Big game. PSG versus Man City. Group A of the Champions League. Angel Di Maria is suspended for Paris. Uh, the French side beat Montpellier 2-0 on Saturday to make it eight wins out of eight in League 1. Who called it a Farmers League, Greg Wilkie? Um, <laughs> but th this is a big one. I? I mean, <laughs> world-class players. This is what Pep Pep's all about, right? He wants this one. Uh, Cam's a lifelong PSG fan as well, right? He's the, he's the most, <laughs> you guessed. He's the, <laughs> he's the uh, most loyal, uh, Mar... lifelong fan of all 12 clubs that he supports. <laughs> now, Marseille. In France, it'd be Marseille. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it is a very big game. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, about Pep's, I mean, obviously, Pep will be feeling much better going into it after the result against Chelsea. But I just wonder, Pep sometimes is a little bit of a moody character, you know. And, and I'm sure in some part of Pep's mind, he was convinced that if Messi ever left Barcelona, it would be to join him at City. And I, I just wonder if he's a bit miffed by all of that, you know. And that this will be, this might add a little bit of intensity or a little bit of an edge to this game. I mean, obviously, they have such a great relationship in, in all that they achieved together back during that time at Barcelona. But it's a huge game and two, two big clubs and both clubs with massive aspirations to win the Champions League and under pressure to win the Champions League for different reasons. I mean, Pep was brought in exactly to do that. And we know it's not quite happened. Last year was the closest that they've got. And PSG, well, there's always been that pressure with the money that they've spent. But after the transfer window that they had, then <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't win the Champions League this year, then 
then there's going to be a lot of questions asked, although it's, it's still not an easy task. Um, so this will give us, I don't think it will tell us much ultimately about where either of those two sides stands in relation to that quest. But let's hope we just get a really good game of attacking football because there's so much talent going to be on that pitch. I think both sides will take it seriously. They won't, they won't rest too many players. So I'm expecting a really good game of football, potentially quite a lot of goals and, and one, one to get up for, Cam. <laughs> Wednesday, 3 a.m., PSG against Man City. The other Group A game is Leipzig against uh, Club Bruges. Uh, in Group B, it's Porto against Liverpool. Wednesday, 3 a.m., uh, Mbemba is suspended for Porto. Porto win one away at Gil Vicente on Friday. They're second in their Primera Liga. They're four points behind Benfica after seven matches played. Um, Portuguese clubs... Obviously, they're, they're all, all just seriously weakened because Wolves just keep buying all their players, Arvid. <laughs> uh, but, but, but no, I mean, I think people need to need to read a little bit more into this one. Uh, it's not going to be an easy one for Liverpool, in my view, in this, because this is a Porto squad that actually held Man City last season. They beat Juventus 2-1 last season. They, they've been undefeated in the Estadio de Drago for a while now. Yes, they will be missing Chancel Mbemba. They will be missing potentially Pepe as well, who was called off last week on, on, on their Friday game. But Sergio Concesio has, has drilled this squad well enough to give Liverpool a, 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 real, good, a real good fight, in my opinion. If, if you think going to the community stadium at Brentford is intimidating, which it is, because it's been a long time since they were back in the Premier League, going to a place like the Estadio de Dragao has, has its challenges as well. So this will be a much closer fight than I think a lot of people are giving. And, and, and credit, because it's a group where Literally, almost anyone can go through. I mean, you still got Atletico Madrid in that group. Yeah, it's Liverpool did well with their three-two win over Milan. That first one, you expected to win your home games, but they'll be wary to ensure that there's no further slip-ups if they want to progress from this group. It's a tough old group: Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, Porto, and AC Milan. Porto, Liverpool. Then Wednesday, three a.m. Uh, the other Group B game is AC Milan against Atletico Madrid. Uh, Man United in a must-win game in Group F against Villarreal. This one is Thursday at 3. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is suspended. So is Francis Coquelin for Villarreal. Um, Villarreal actually drew 0-0 away at Real Madrid on Saturday, which is quite a big result for them. Uh, they've only won one. They've drawn five after six matches. Currently 10th in La Liga. You'd expect United to win this. Um, do you think Ole will get it get it right then, Cam? It's probably a real season-defining match. The uh, Ronaldo arriving honeymoon is over. Didn't last very long, and uh, everything things are sliding. And so, uh, you know, you would have thought that the likes of Ronaldo would be really up for this. But does it matter these days if Ronaldo is up for anything? I don't really know what his contribution is going to be, but. They have to. They have to win this. I don't know about that you would expect. Uh, I, United fans always say things like that. And, 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 then, and then you lose. So uh, they really do have to win this one. I think that the repercussions could be enormous if they fail on this one. Well, fail uh, uh, let me ask you, Craig Wilkie, what happens if Villarreal win this on, on, on Wednesday night? Do you, do you, I mean, how much pressure will then go on, on, on Ole? There would have been, what, four losses on, on the bounce. That wouldn't be acceptable. I mean, I know they're not expected to win the Champions League, but you get the feeling it's intrinsically linked 
to success and longevity of a Manchester United manager? Yeah, it's it's about standards. It's about expectations, isn't it? And it's like you say, I don't think Ole needs to win the Premier League this season. I don't think he needs to win the Champions League, but he needs to be competitive in both. He needs to get out of the group stages for sure. And then he needs to have a decent showing in the knockout stages. And he needs to take that team, you know, into the final stages of a, of a premiership title shot. I mean, that, that's, that's what he has to do with, with the sort of resources that he has available. And, and if he doesn't do that this season, I don't think it's about winning a trophy. You know, if you win the FA Cup, great. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be what defines his future. It's about that. And there has been progress under Solskjaer. Let's, let's be clear about that. Manchester United are in a better place today than they were 12 months ago or two years ago. But the question is, is that enough? And I don't think it is on, on recent performances. And he's a smart guy. He knows that he's under pressure. He knows that the, the squad that he has available now brings its own pressure. But he has to, he has to live up to that and he has to find the solutions. And, and this is a big test. You know, Villarreal, they've not made a great start to the season in La Liga, but we know their European pedigree. They're a very, very difficult team to beat when it comes to European competition. So this is a good test for Manchester United. And after the, the disappointment of the weekend, they need a response. So big, big game. I'm hoping Villarreal have set their sights on that third spot and, and Europa League, because <laughs> <laughs> that's what they love more than anything else. Uh, the other Group F game is Atalanta against Young Boys. Uh, group H, Juventus against Chelsea. Juve will be vastly uh, inferior when they meet Chelsea. They beat Sampdoria 3-2 on Sunday. Uh, they lost both Alvaro Morata and Paolo Diabala. Diabala scored a, a cracker and then went off injured and crying. So uh, straight after that, Agnelli said they both will not be taking part against Chelsea. So... Yeah, I mean, weakened if you, you're not your strongest team against Chelsea because uh, Group H as well, Juve and Chelsea expected to make it through, Arvin. Yeah, it's, but it's been a fragile old lady start to the season for them. It hasn't I mean, it, yes, just? They they, yeah. They're it's nine. a while for them. Yeah, nine. It's taken them for a one, two, drawn two, lost two. So it's taken them a while to kind of recover from the Ronaldo leaving and then uh, Massimino Allegri coming back into, this, into managing that squad. Uh, but they've got some really good youngsters. I mean, Dejan Kulubeski will come in and he will do a job when Paulo Dybala is not there. Uh, but they will miss those kind of players when you come up against a team like Chelsea. Uh, I thought they, they, they did quite well over the weekend, but they, they need to start getting into that groove a little bit better because they've already dropped a considerable amount of points when you consider how well Inter and AC are doing. Uh, Manuel Locatelli finally scored his first goal for, for Juventus. So that's a player that did really well in the Euros and they'll be depending on him. But up against the Chelsea squad that would have been wounded, uh, Thomas Tuchel would have would have seen what has happened in the game over the weekend. Uh, they won 1-0 against Zenith. They would want to continue to progress it so that they can focus on the league after they get a couple of wins in the Champions League. I see Chelsea slightly edging this. But uh, yeah, it'll, be, it'll still be another very, very fascinating tie to check out. The other Group H match pits Zenit St. Petersburg against Malmo of Sweden. Uh, that one is Thursday, 12.45. Chelsea is Thursday, 3 a.m. In the Europa League, you've got uh, Group C, Leicester are away in Poland against Leisure, Warsaw. Warsaw currently 14th in their Polish league after seven matches played. Uh, West Ham hosts Rapid Vienna in Group H. West Ham lead the group. And um, I think they're, they're just going from strength to strength. You can almost see the Hammers looking forward to this one. At Spurs in the Europa Conference League against Mura. 
on Friday morning at 3 a.m. in Group G. That's it. Every night you get to watch your football and your IPL cricket. So what more do you want? Really, really. We'll be back weekend to talk about it. For now, thank you, Cam Razlan. Thank you. Thank you to Craig Wilkie. What more do I want? Just a little bit of sleep would be good. <laughs> ah, you and a few young more people. points to my fantasy team as well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that and all of us as well on that one. Uh, Arvin Sidhu, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. I miss the winning feeling. May the first win come. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. Bye now. And that is a super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the ball every Monday at 8 p.m. on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.